0: the america's national parks podcast is sponsored by ll bean ll bean has partnered with the national park foundation to help you find your happy place and with more than 400 national parks there's a good chance you'll find one close to home discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com For 18 short months, a group of riders carried letters from St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California, and they did it in just 10 days. Crossing 1,800 miles of rough western terrain at breakneck speeds, the Pony Express tied the east to the west in ways that would become pivotal in the years to come. I'm Abigail Trebu, filling in for a very sick Jason Epperson, and on this episode of America's National Parks podcast, the Pony Express National Historical Trail, and the riders who would become synonymous with the American West. to the gold rush of 1849, the 1847 Mormon exodus to Utah, and the thousands who had moved west on the Oregon Trail, the need for fast mail service beyond the Rocky Mountains had become vital. Originally the need was filled by outfits such as the Butterfield Overland Mail Service and private carriers. But then Postmaster General Joseph Holt scaled back service to California in the central region of the country in 1858, and an even greater need arose. Enter in the Leavenworth and Pikes Peak Express Company created by William H. Russell, Alexander Majors, and William B. Waddle. It would later be known as the Pony Express. In January 1860, with only two months to make the Pony Express a reality, the team had their hands full. Over 100 stations, four to 500 horses, and enough riders were needed at an estimated cost of $70,000. In March 1860, an ad was placed in the Sacramento Union that read, Men Wanted. The undersigned wishes to hire 10 or a dozen men familiar with the management of horses as hostlers or riders on the Overland Express route via Salt Lake City wages $50 per month and found On April 3, 1860, the first official delivery of the Pony Express took off in St. Joseph, Missouri. Surrounded by great fanfare, a mail pouch containing 49 letters, five telegrams, and miscellaneous papers were handed to a rider at 7.15 p.m. A cannon was fired and the rider bolted off to a waiting ferry boat. Because of the pace at which the riders took to the route, the Pony Express was set up to provide a fresh horse every 10 to 15 miles, and a fresh rider every 75 to 100 miles. With an average speed of 10 miles per hour, it took 75 horses to make the one-way trip. On April 9th at 6.45 p.m., the first rider from the east reached Salt Lake City. On April 12th, at 2.30 p.m., the mail pouch reached Carson City. From there, the riders flew over the Sierra Nevada mountains, down through Placerville, California, and on to Sacramento. On April 14th, the first mail pouch delivered by the Pony Express arrived in San Francisco at midnight. The New York Times wrote, Citizens paraded the streets with bands of music, fireworks were set off, The best feeling was manifested by everybody. Despite the success and approval of the public, problems abound. Weather, supply difficulties, rider fatigue, and war. Fueled by white mineral seekers encroaching on traditional Indian lands, the Pyramid Lake War crippled the operation of the Pony Express for months. An operation that was also guilty of encroaching on Indian territory, building relay stations at critical water sources that the native Paiute people depended on. As prospectors continued to claim resources and land that wasn't theirs to claim, Conflict between whites and the Paiutes became inevitable. On May 7th, 1860, an old Paiute man and a younger Paiute woman went to a house owned by a white man, J.O. Williams. Inside, four white men tied up the man and attacked the woman. They were later set free, but the Paiute man returned with friends who forced the four white men into the house and burned it to the ground. As the conflict raged, Indian raids became more common at remote Pony Express stations in western Nevada. And in May of 1860, Simpson Park Station was burned to the ground and the station keeper was killed. By June, the Pony Express had cancelled operations between Carson City and Salt Lake City, which meant cash flow wasn't coming in. By July, with the help of federal troops and stepped up security measures, the Pony Express resumed mail delivery to California, but delays had cost the company almost $75,000. But the final blow to the Pony Express would not come from war or delays, but from the advancement of communication. Fueled by the need to keep the West a part of the Union as war loomed on the horizon, in June 1860, almost ten weeks after the first successfully delivered pouch, Congress authorized a bill instructing the Secretary of the Treasury to build a transcontinental telegraph line connecting the Missouri River and the Pacific Coast. On October 26, 1861, San Francisco made direct contact with New York City, and the Pony Express was officially no more. In June of every year, the National Pony Express Association takes to the trail in a re-ride covering 1,966 miles in 10 days. The 750 volunteers ride for 24 hours straight in an attempt to faithfully deliver the 1,000 letters received every year. You can follow the action 24 hours a day on an online feed provided by the Association. Today, most of the original Pony Express trail has either been erased by time or human activities. However, short, pristine segments can still be seen in Utah and California. There are also 120 historic sites, including 50 existing Pony Express stations or station ruins that may eventually be available to the public. For those who want to take to the open road, the National Park Service offers a state-by-state auto-tour route interpretive guide featuring an overview of local trail history and driving directions to suggested sites and points of interest. The National Park Service stresses that this route is a work in progress. Today's episode of America's National Parks Podcast was written and narrated by me, Abigail Trebu. And is dedicated to Jason Epperson. As I record this, he is just days out from emergency brain surgery. And by the time this podcast reaches your ears, we hope he will be on the other side and close to coming home. But it may be a few more weeks before we hear his voice here again on America's National Parks podcast. He is the heart of this show, and we can't wait for his return. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. We'll link to all our social media, as well as National Park Service resources, music credits, and more in the show notes at nationalparkpodcast.com. If you are interested in RV travel, give us a listen over at the RV Miles podcast. You can also follow Jason and me as we travel the country with our three boys at ourwanderingfamily.com. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeAnOutsider and visit llbean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. As I was walking, I saw a sign there. And that sign said, no trespassing. But on the other side, it didn't say nothing. California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made.